This morning I'm going to talk to you about on earth as it is in heaven. Um, just want to, my wife's not in here, but tomorrow we're going to be married 30 years. Can you believe it? And um, just praise the Lord. And I know some of you are probably thinking, well, Pastor Scott, you just don't look like you're that old. And I get that. I'm used to those conversations. Um, but believe it or not, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. And um, I can remember the bicentennial year. I remember us trying to get all those quarters. I don't know if anybody remembers the, those days. Every time we got a bicentennial quarter, I was like, wow. It's amazing. And we would trade our other quarters for the bicentennial quarters. It was crazy. And um, it's hard to believe how far we've come. So when Timothy says 245 years, is that what he said? So that means that was 45 years ago. Is that right? <laughs> so it's hard to believe I've been around that long. But, you know, I remember when I first got saved. And I, um, I think I've shared this with you many times. And I guess when I think of that song, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, it just triggered me to think about uh, the, the fact was, before I actually made a commitment to Jesus Christ, I was actually reading my Bible, actually the Bible my wife got from the church that she graduated from, but I was hiding it from her. I it was like I was reading something bad, and when she would come home, I would put it on the shelf and act like I haven't been reading. I know it sounds crazy. I'm I'm a little off, you all know that, but it's just, it's crazy when I think about it, and I remember when I was reading the Bible, what stood out to me was that I felt like somebody had lied to me. I don't know how to explain it. You know, I've, I've said, I, I didn't grow up in church. You all, some of y'all, you've grown up in church. You know, um, you've always understood who Jesus Christ is. I really just thought he was a character like Samson. I don't even know what I thought, to be honest with you. But I remember when I was reading God's word, I was just like, man, he's not who I thought he was. I've been lied to. Now, if you were to ask me who lied to me, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. And I've been thinking about this for a long time because how can that be that people just don't have an idea who Jesus is and how much he loves us. And I've gotten to thinking about it, and I'll, I'll tell you, in the conversations that I'm having these days in particular, it's amazing. A lot of times, people are coming to me, and they will talk to me about a couple of issues. Two of the issues that they'll talk to me about is simply this. Here's why I don't believe in God. Others will come to me and say, here's why I'm going to say no to God. Does that surprise you all? It should, because we live in the Bible Belt, right? And so what stands out to me as we celebrate the 4th of July, we think of like, you know, we're free from um, oppression. We, we think of our freedom, and we think about the idea that our civil laws are designed where it, because it's against the law to kill people, the idea would be, I am free from you killing me. That's in principle. doesn't mean that it always works, but in principle, I am free from you killing me, or I am free from you stealing from me. Guess what? Because that law exists, then the idea would be, you're free from me trying to kill you or trying to steal from you, right? So there's some freedom there. 
And so when I start putting all this together, I'm thinking about how, how could I have felt like I was lied to? And I think it's because we Christians have gotten off track. We've gotten off track somewhere, and we've forgotten a doctrine of being free from, from sin. Now, just follow along with me. Because if we're free from sin, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that I get to go and say, well, I'm so holy and I'm just getting so far in the Lord. What I'm talking about is that if Jesus has freed us from sin, then the idea would be that because I am no longer choosing to sin, then what's going to happen is I am free from you um, hating me, you are free from me hating you. Then you are free because of coveting. I'm not, I am no longer trying to take something from you or figure out a scheme to get it from you. And then the idea is that you are no longer um, in bondage, I should say, to trying to take something from me. So it kind of works this way. So I was thinking about when I was a kid. So who lied to me? Well, I don't think anybody intentionally said, you know what we're going to do today? We're going to all get up and we're going to lie to Scott Usselman about who Jesus Christ is. Nobody did that. I think it's the fact that the people um, who were in church in those days, going back to the 70s and 80s, maybe it was because they had forgotten that Jesus freed them from sin that a lot of those people were actually mean to my family and I. Could that be possible? So, if I'm reading the Bible and I'm saying, this God is not how I thought he was, then who lied to me? My thinking is that because there was so much self-centeredness probably within Christianity, that that was my experience. Because if you don't grow up in church, the only way you're going to know anything about Jesus Christ is by watching and speaking to his people. And so if his people aren't doing things like Jesus would, then it's going to be like you've been lied to. And that's why you're going to have these conversations if you happen to become a pastor, who would have saw that coming? But if you happen to become a pastor or just a Christian trying to do what the Lord has called you to do, and that's make disciples, these conversations come along and people say, I don't know, pastor, I don't think that I believe in the Lord. And here's why. My experience in the church that I grew up in was this, or my experience was that. This person who said that they loved the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart did this to my family and I. Or someone might say to me, well, the problem is, Pastor, is that I see these people, I don't think God loves me because this is the way I've been treated by those who say they are God's people. So you're saying, well, Pastor, I don't know. I think you're getting a little extreme here, and maybe there could be. But I'll tell you this, I remember when my mother and father got a divorce. This is back in the 70s, right? When they got a divorce, I was six years old. Now, back in those days, when your dad left, 
It was just you and your mom, and let me tell you, everything's upside down, and you don't have as much. And I remember when, after I'd say three or four years, my mom met my stepfather. And some of you heard me say this. It was a godsend. We were struggling. And it was going to be good to have a male figure in the house because I was terrified at night of what might happen to me because of things that I had experienced. You just can't imagine if you've not been in the situation, you may not know what I'm talking about. You just have to follow along and try to envision it. But I can tell you that it was a time of great terror in my life. And so we, and especially with us doing without things because we didn't have money and it was really tight. So when she found this guy who wanted to be my stepfather, who treated me well, not one pastor in that town would marry my mom in that guy. Perspective. At six years old, what am I doing? I'm getting an idea of who Jesus Christ is by the people who represent him. Finally found one person that would do it. We had to go hide in the Sunday school room. We weren't allowed in the sanctuary. Now, I want you to follow along with me for a second. We had no affiliation with church. No affiliation with church. Now, I can understand maybe trying to encourage people to work through their marriage. Understand what I'm saying if they are believers in Jesus Christ. But for us to expect someone to obey the Bible who doesn't even know who Jesus Christ is, I think we're pushing it. So while I'm sitting in the Sunday school room, watching my mother getting married, feeling sorry for her, feeling sorry for my grandmother, and feeling sorry for myself because I knew God didn't like me, I'm forming this idea of who God is. Is it possible that if I go back to that moment, that maybe that might be part of the reason why I felt lied to when I read the Word of God, and I found out He's not like this. He loves me. He loves everybody, and He wants good for everybody. So I come back to this statement I made when I said in a nonchalant way, I want to talk to you about on earth as it is in heaven. Because what Jesus did when he's with his disciples is he said to them, here is how you should pray. Because they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Here's how you should pray. Remember how it goes? Um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Several years ago, I started re-examining that, and you've heard me say this. But that means that we who are God's people, we reflect what's going on in heaven right now. If I was to walk into this church at six years old, that means that I should be getting the image of who Jesus really is by just being around y'all because we're reflecting what God's people are doing in heaven right now here on earth. So you have 
people coming from difficult situations in life, who don't go to church, who don't have an idea, what would it mean for them if they saw God's people reflecting what's going on in God's kingdom right now here on earth? So if they do steal from us, then you know what that means. I'm no longer going to operate from the perspective of revenge or the idea of revenge. I'm going to say, I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. Um, I'm going to just forget that that happened because my bigger game here is not to get back what is mine, but to get God what is his, his child that is disconnected from him. My goal is now to connect this child with Jesus Christ. So I'm saying on earth as it is in heaven. And so somebody might say to me, well, pastor, I don't know how we can actually do that because nobody's perfect. Oh, I get that. I mean, I, I, I remember the song, He's Still Working On Me. And I mean, I, I, I'll tell you what, I pull that one like a gun. You know what I'm saying? As soon as I do something wrong and somebody sees me and I'll be like, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Right? Remember that? And, and I just, and when I do that, I have no intention of giving any more thought to what I just did. I've taken a grace pass, if you will. And I, I mean, and I just, I used that card probably three or four hours ago probably. Who knows? But Paul is talking about this stuff to the Roman church. And he's talking about freedom. And several weeks ago, if you remember before Father's Day, and uh, we had our guest speaker last week, I said I was going to come back and revisit this, and I do, and that's exactly what I'm doing. We were talking about the idea of God making us slaves to righteousness. Remember that? We were talking about him setting us free from this overwhelming uh, desire to sin because what he wanted to do, this was what was insane, is that he's not trying to, um, he, he's trying to restore me. He's trying to, remember the old man we talked about? who was trying to live, he's full of sin. He wants to crucify the old man inside of me. We don't talk about this stuff anymore. And it's a shame because I think if we did, I think that six-year-old me would have got a different experience um, with Jesus Christ. It wouldn't have been this judgmental God. I think it would have been this God who says, yes, something's happened here, but we're going to redeem it. I get goosebumps when I think of that. Who doesn't want to serve a God that redeems things? Right? But I can tell you who doesn't want to serve a God who's so harsh on people. I was one of them. I think I still would be. But I love the Lord because he loves me and he loves you. So what I want to do is I'm going to read chapter 8 of Romans. This is right after this talk of being set free from sin. And in chapter 7, you could go through it. You could use this like a commentary to understand what we're trying to get to in this point of on earth as it is in heaven. Because what Paul is saying in chapter 7, he says, look, I'm always doing what I don't want to do. I intend to be good to people, but then all of a sudden, I I'm, I'm become selfish, and, I, and then I do something bad. And he's like, I'm in a terrible situation. Who's going to take care of me? 
I know that I want to do right. Who will save me from this situation? Well, the answer is Jesus. So let's take up our reading. We're going to read verses 1 to, I believe, 13. That's exactly right. So let's start with verse 1. This is Paul talking to the Roman church. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, and so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that righteous, the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. You should highlight that. Because we're going to figure out how to do this on earth as it is in heaven, then something being fully met in us will enable us. Right? So let's move on. He goes on to says, and, and says, um, looking for my place, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, he is talking to Christians. Hear that. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I can't hardly do any better than that. Paul's nailing it. First thing I want you to see this morning is this. Christ enables believers to live for him on earth as it is in heaven because followers are free from sin and death. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because I was saying on earth as it is in heaven, and then I told you a story about the idea of being judged by Christians and, and, and our sin. You could argue, yes, we knew that probably we weren't right with the Lord, but our sin was mostly out of ignorance, right? So it would have been unfair to be feeling judged by someone. In fact, I mean, let me just put this out there. If we are Christians, we are full of the Spirit, and we are serving the Lord, yes, we're going to hold other believers accountable. We're going to encourage them. We're going to say, we need to rethink what you're doing. But someone who's not connected to the church or to Jesus Christ, that's not the time to put them in their place. We want to love them into the kingdom. And so 
what's happening is that because I would suspect, I'm just speculating, okay? I am just speculating. Maybe it was because these people wanted to uphold God's word so much. They wanted to follow the rules, and something in their nature triggered them to want to make other people follow the rules. Well, what was happening possibly then is they weren't really, even though they are believers in Jesus, they weren't really free from the law of sin and death. You're probably saying, you're really splitting some hairs here, and I might be. But I know one thing, I'd never got the taste of Jesus Christ as a loving God from that experience. In fact, I was still trying to get myself up from all of the terrible things that was happening in my life, that if someone would have given me some direction, that might have helped instead of putting me in my place, right? Because if I'm free from the law of sin and death, that means the old man, is being, he has been crucified in me, and then what that tells me is that I, it's not my job to punish people. It's not my job to bring the people down, tear them up, and destroy them. My job is to operate as Jesus does. And that's from the position of love. So if I operate from the position of love, that means life is going to be working through me, not the law of sin and death. Because then, if I'm operating through the position of love, that means those things that I know that are right, that I want to do, that I cannot do, love is going to enable me to do them. And that comes from Jesus Christ. That comes from the Spirit of God, who is changing me, who is inside of me, Look at the next thing I want you to see. Christ enables believers to live for him on earth as it is in heaven because disciples have an appetite for God's will. I, I like that word. Now, you know, look, uh, I was at a gas station this week and um, got, you know, the guy was working in there. He said, how's it going, man? How you doing? I said, surviving, brother. You know, I just like, I just, I think I'm funny. You know, and um, so I, I just said, surviving. He goes, well, it looks to me like you're doing a little more than surviving. I had victory over that, because I'll tell you, I bought the donuts anyway. Right? You ain't going to deter me, brother. I'm still going to buy these donuts. And you know why I'm going to do it? Because I got an appetite for them. Right? I got an appetite for Oreo cookies. I mean, I'm telling you. What a wretched, yeah, what a wretched man I am, right? Who's going to save me? Um, I just, I mean, I'm having a hard time. I mean, I'm not working out so much anymore. I'm just like. Um, so anyway, so I put this word in here, appetite, right? Because what's happening is that I, I should have an appetite for righteousness. 
if the Lord is in me and I am being crucified, then I should have this deep hunger, if you will, to do what is right. I should have this hunger to love my neighbors if they don't get it right. My hunger now is that I want to make sure that they realize God still loves them and He wants to forgive them as He wants to grow them and bring them out of the life that is so afflicting them that they're not even aware of. God wants to help them, not punish them. And so this hunger should be overtaking me. And so this is what Paul's saying. He says, look, if if you're in the realm of flesh, I mean, if you're in a position, and flesh is such a negative thing in this context, it means sinful nature. So if you're in this realm where you're just being driven by your sinfulness, then what's happening is you're the one who's trying to figure out a way to take control over somebody or to take power or authority over them. In other words, you're getting in the way of Jesus or you're the one who is trying to figure out a way to get something that your neighbor has that you don't think they deserve instead of you being happy for them to have what they have. You're trying to get it from them because you want it. That's an appetite for sin. You remember what I said to you though, right? When I read the Word of God, I said, I've been lied to. But who lied to me? Maybe God's people did in the way they were treating everyone. Because they have an appetite for sin, but not an appetite for righteousness. I mean, you could get into this, can't you? You could start to understand why things in this world are going so haywire, and everybody says, where's God? Well, I'm sorry, God's people are crucifying him instead of the sinful nature that's inside of them. That's why bad things are not being taken care of or being redeemed and they continue to happen because the Lord's being crucified now instead of my sinful nature. We as God's people should have an appetite to live righteously, to live in justice with each other and our neighbors. If you don't have that appetite this morning, can I tell you something? I didn't write this. You heard, I mean, I read it to y'all, right? I mean, I didn't write that. You may be disconnected. In fact, the Greek word for those who are hostile towards God, it means alienate. What does alienate mean? Disconnected. So those guys that pull out, hey, he's still working on me, right? Maybe I should pull the card out and say, I still got a hunger to sin. Now, I'm not saying we're going to be perfect. Don't misunderstand me. Let me define what perfection is. Perfection is true desire, true effort. We're not saying results, but if I love you, even though I may do something that is not right to you, if I'm loving you, 
we'll clean that up quickly. Because I live in a fallen world. And sometimes not everything comes out right the way it should. But if I don't love you, that's something that's very different. That's definitely not perfection, right? Perfection is going to be, I love God and I love my neighbors more than myself. Drive down the road, see how we're doing with that. I'm already struggling, right? You see me posted on Facebook. I have a hard time with that. People love themselves. And where are we at? The church capital of the United States. We are missing the memo that we're not supposed to crucify the Spirit of God. We're supposed to crucify the person that's in us that's so hungry to do wrong. Look at the last thing I want you to see this morning. Christ enables believers to live for him on earth as it is in heaven because Christians are being changed by the Spirit. We say this a lot, but if I'm going to live, if I'm going to reflect what's going on in heaven here on earth, I have to be changed. I can't continue to be the same person who is in need of God's grace when I met Jesus Christ. I have to be, because I am surrendering to the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit of God is in me and I'm living in the realm of His majesty, if you will, His Lordship. Because of that, I have to be diminishing in the way that I used to be. There should be some sort of um, measure, a way to measure that I'm growing in the Lord. So I need to be putting to death with intentionality, working with the Spirit of God, the misdeeds of the body. I should be putting to death those things that I do wrong in regard to my God and to my neighbors. I shouldn't be doing them. But when I find myself doing them, because I'm not perfect in result, right? I can only be in effort. Effort. God's not opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. Always know that. So in effort, because God is changing me from the inside out, then what's happening is, as soon as I recognize that I'm doing something to my neighbor, and guess what? It's possible your neighbor may tell you before you recognize it. So then the reaction can't be for me to say, who do you think you're talking to, right? The reaction has to be, because I'm intentionally working with the Holy Spirit, the reaction then has to be, well, I hear you. And then I'm going to have to evaluate, are they telling me something that I need to know? And if they are, then I'm going to have to work with the Holy Spirit to be able to put whatever that is, to put that aside. I need, I need not be doing that anymore. Because the end game isn't just about me getting to heaven. The end game is that I am living like they do in heaven and God is using me to get others who are not connected to him into heaven. This morning, if you're, you're probably thinking, Pastor, you do a lot of technical stuff. You know what? Let me tell you something. If this is true, and I believe it is, this is something that is just for Christians this morning. People who already believe. This is something 
for each Christian. Somebody who's not a believer, um, they were already not a believer, but I'll bet you anything it makes sense what I'm saying to them. That would be reasonable to them. They would probably think, yeah, it'd be great if Christians would actually do on earth as it is in heaven and actually be different from the inside out. I mean, who is not going to argue? We're not going to argue that. But us Christians, we're going to find resistance from those whose old man wants to live. Right? And I'm going to be able to tell, if, you want to, if you're serious about your relationship with Jesus Christ, you can tell what is your mind on all day long. Because I know this from Dallas Willard. Your mind is setting the scene for your will to operate. Did you know that? What's on your mind is what you're going to do eventually and all day long. If, if the things of the Spirit are not on your mind, you're probably going to have an appetite for unrighteousness. If there's nothing inside of you that says that you want to give mercy and love to those who don't deserve it from your perspective, then it's because you have an appetite for taking care of yourself instead of following the Lord. If you're someone who is sinning and you keep doing it and you have no intention of changing it, you just want to pull the grace card, your appetite gives you away. We're not going to know it, but you and the Lord do. What you desire determines who you are. And if I desire to do God's will here on earth like it is in heaven, then I'm going to do it for the most part. But if I don't, it's not going to happen, and then the lie continues, doesn't it? If you're not putting to death misdeeds, understand what I'm saying. Now look, now, let me just throw this out there. Don't come up to me after service and tell me what I'm doing wrong. But if people come up and say something to us, right, we need to evaluate it, and we need to understand if we're doing something that is not right, then we need to put it to death. It has to be that way. If God's people would be more concerned about reaching those who are disconnected from Jesus than they are about obeying rules or, or teaching people a lesson, I'm going to say that when I was six years old, if the pastor felt led to tell my mother, you don't have to go through this. Let me tell you why. And let me tell you why it's good to obey the Lord. If somebody would have sat down and said that to us, my guess is I never would have thought God hated me. I would have just thought this God that people want me to serve, he wants good for me. And not only that, but he wants to restore me. 
Let's pray as they fit, close us out. Father, we come before you now. I pray, Father, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that is struggling with anything I've said, Lord, would you reveal it to them through the Spirit? Because, Lord, we do want to do your will on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. Father, help us to be free to do so. I pray, Father, that you would place us as we make a new determination to follow you and allow you to change us from the inside out, that you would place us, Lord, maybe with us even being unaware in the path of those who need to know you so that they could get a good taste of who Jesus Christ is. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.